0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of the beautiful mind game podcast with million hams today we've got another great episode with another amazing amazing guest. I'm really looking forward to it again Hams how are you you looking forward to it
1: uh it's it's something that I'm not scared of but I'm apprehensive of because this is a topic that we know very little about and we know very little so we needed someone who was genuinely gonna open their, their minds up and themselves up to us so we could learn a lot more about um disability within sport and in uh, and in professional sport as well. So we needed someone um who we've got coming up on the podcast later on, which will be fantastic to hear from. And I'm really looking forward to it because I'm pretty sure from our pre-conversation before the podcast started that we've got the right guest to begin, um learning more about um differently abled people in sport. So yeah, looking forward to it Millie.
0: Really. And what a fantastic guest it guest it is. Uh, we have some good news as well, don't we?
1: Yeah, so basically, we're finally sponsored, which is fantastic. So, us over at the beautiful mind game, and um, myself and well, myself over at Friday Night Counter Attack, our football like sibling podcast, basically, we've now got a new sponsor, which is fantastic. So, um, basically, it's a canvas company, so they're basically printing off canvases. And they thought, you know what, we've seen his podcast, we'd like to know a bit more about how they can help us and how we can help them so we've basically got our own kind of canvases now which is pretty good as well um hopefully from next week and the week after we'll get an official script instead of me butchering it but they're called bodes art um they've given millie and i our own little special gift which will be announced on social media soon as well which will be fantastic to see in relation to the world cup so hopefully um by the next time you're listening to a beautiful mind game podcast you'll see a, a lot more professional adverts from millie and i in terms of what our adverts. Um, for this new pod, for this new sponsorship, will be. Uh, but yeah, bozart check them out. They'll be on our social media pages as well. If you did want a really nice new canvas in, in time for the World Cup with your favorite nation's flag on there as well, that'll be absolutely fine. Um, but now I'm looking forward to seeing who we've got on the podcast, Millie. Really. So this is the guest that you invited on because you had previous knowledge of how well they've done in in the world of sport and not just any sport, um, a sport that you're quite familiar with. Is that correct?
0: I think we're both familiar with it. We're all familiar with it, aren't we? <laughs> it's
1: just, so. Yeah, it is it is, but I'm le- I'm going to learn it from a different perspective now as well so I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, sorry, introduce our guest please.
0: Without further ado, welcome onto the podcast, Liam Burbridge. Uh,
1: How yeah, are you, Liam? You. Uh, I'm really good, thanks.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: God, uh, we're really excited to speak to you.
1: I'm sorry for blabbering, but Liam, um first things first, can you Give us an introduction that would sum up you in thirty seconds. So just so for anyone listening, who is Liam Burbridge?
2: Oh, in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. So I am below the knee amputee. Um, I'm an amputee footballer, so play amputee, uh, play football on using crutches and one leg. Um, very outgoing, sporty person. I've tried other sports such as paratech tech ball. Um. Yeah, just like the outdoors. I've done many sponsored walks like climbing Mount Snowden and Scaffold Pike and I've been skydiving. and Yeah, I'm just
1: a, a busy, outgoing, sporty person. <laughs> you basically just describe yourself as an action man there. So yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not really. Yeah, yeah. I, I I say you definitely would be because of everything yeah. that you're doing and everything that you've done as well. You definitely would take a claim of action man as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got coming up. So. Thank you very much for that introduction. Um can you just describe to us the, for the people who don't know what is the difference in amputee football and um different types of football as well because I know there's different uh how can I I don't want to be um rude about it so I apologize for my my lack of intelligence I should say but how can you describe amputee football to us who have no idea what it is.
2: So amputee football is quite similar to mainstream football but it's played on slightly smaller pitch with slightly smaller goals um it's seven players each side one goalkeeper and six outfield players um the international rules of amputee football are that it's played on crutches so um even though I'm below the knee amputee uh, I do quite well with prosthetics and I have played other sports with prosthetics but um the level of amputation especially with lower limbs can have a massive effect on ability so uh, below the knee versus above the knee in certain sports wouldn't be fair. So to make it fair for everyone, you have to use crutches. Um, if the ball touches the crutches, it's classed as handball and a free kick is given to the other team. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, I'm not wearing a prosthetic. So because I have quite a long, a stump, we call it, the the residual limb. If the ball touches that, that's a foul and um, a free kick is given to the other side. Um, the goalkeeper has one arm, so very similar to me. If he has an amputation at the elbow or even at the wrist, he's not allowed to use the rest of the arm. It has to be strapped inside, and he can actually only use one arm. Oh, no. Um, He's not allowed outside of the penalty area, you know. To so he <laughs> so can't just go running the full length of the pitch and step overs and take it past everyone and stuff. And uh, we take kick-ins instead of throw-ins, so... That's the main the main differences that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, when there's no offside, which because I played mainstream football before I played amputee football, the being no offside just blew my mind. But yeah, there's no offsides. That's crazy to hear
1: because you're thinking about it and you're thinking the world of football would be so much easier if there were no offsides as well. So if yeah. you're looking at it and you're thinking if there was offside and onside and in, in <clears throat> your game that you're playing now as well, you'd have to worry about that. No, yeah, thing. well
2: that was quite a that was quite a challenge for me really because um I must have played mainstream football, not at no major level, but I took it quite seriously and you know I was at the higher end of amateur and stuff, but when I when I moved into amputee football, it was quite difficult to get my head around there being no offside. So I play centre forward and I was making runs as if I was gonna be caught offside, and my coaches kept saying to me, you don't have to, you know. You don't have to start that run there. You can already be in an offside position. So it did take some getting used to.
0: Did you find it easier to be already in that kind of not offside position but offside position? Did you find it easier to be behind the defenders?
2: I do now that I've got used to it because, like I said, because there's no offside, you can literally be, m- like, meters into the other opponent's side of the pitch before anything's called i mean but the the only problem is with that is it's because it's such a small sided game you've only got six outfield players if you you know it, pe- people ask me on social media all the time well can you not just go lang in the other in the like opponent's area mm-hmm. and while technically you can because because your team is such a small team you're leaving your team a man behind in defense then do you know what i mean so yeah. it's it's finding that balance of using it using the no offside to your advantage but still tracking back and stuff.
0: Yeah. And I was also going to ask, so is it the same for everyone? So you're all not allowed to use prosthetics and the goalkeeper always has to have one arm tucked in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the they're the international rules of amputee football that the outfield players use one leg and crutches yeah. and the goalkeeper uses one arm. But like I said, if the if the ball touches my stump that's classed as a foul, just like the goalkeeper. If he has a stump, whether that be at the elbow or the arm, like one of my friends, the uh, England goalkeeper, Thomas Atkinson, his arm is amputated exactly at his wrist. So Mm -hmm. he has a very long stump, but by the laws of the game, he has to strap it inside his body and he's not allowed to use it at all. Wow.
0: Wow. I mean... (laughs) I guess it's just it's so it's, to me, it sounds like like completely different tactics as well, like yeah. completely not completely different rules, but completely different tactics as well. and you've kind of got to mentally kind of understand it as well. So it sounds like a lot to take on. and I'm not yeah, surprised it, it took you said it took you a little bit of time, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, the most difficult thing that that I found to get around was using crutches because as I mentioned, I've played sports on my prosthetic before and being below the knee and having a long stump i do quite well on prosthetics but it was the crutches that i found the most difficult but once I've, because in, in england there's two leagues there's the championship and there's the premiership now in the championship you are allowed to use prosthetics but that is just a rule that england have put into place to try and gain more engagement into the sport because not every amputee wants to use crutches or you know some might never have been in sport before or might be a bit nervous about coming into sport. And something I've found as being an amputee is you can use your prosthetic as a bit of a comfort blanket. So in England, we'd in they do allow prosthetics, but you're limited to how many touches you can have and stuff. But the uh, big countries across Europe, Poland, Turkey, they're professionals at amputee football. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we are a charity and we raise funds and everything. They are full-time professional sports people, so but they don't allow prosthetics at all. So whilst we do in England allow it, it is the international rule that you're not allowed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I was just going to say as well, because you just said there was the international rule. Were you following the recent Amputee World Cup, Liam? And were mm-hmm. you, um, you kind of watching it with a great intent because you're seeing so many different teams that you don't really see? On a bigger footballing stage, kind of get their time in the sun as well. I think, was it Turkey who won it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. That? So that's,
2: that's really interesting because I actually made my debut for England at that Amputee World Cup. So I got called up for the England squad. I was already part of the wider squad. I was part of the next gen, it's called. And it's kind of like the development squad leading into the national squad. And, um, I got called up about three weeks ago before the World Cup started to go and they did say to me that uh game time would be minimal if any but I I did get on the pitch a few times so I was uh I was buzzing at that like but you are right um, teams like Turkey and Poland and unfortunately England got knocked out in the last 16 by Angola now these That's teams quite a, have,
1: classic England in any sport yeah. to be fair as well yeah, sorry definitely. to say that, but so no. um, um, but no, um, just like you were saying as well with Angola and Turkey and Poland, it must be fantastic to kind of see them in that kind of um, situation. Like them, it's growing the game for them at the same time. But I just kind of wanted to know the whole. Si- sorry, I think you were saying it before I interrupted. But how was the whole experience for it, like being called up for England to represent your nation? How was that kind of whole situation for you, Liam?
2: To be honest, it's one of them things where, um i was shocked but i was i was shocked but i wasn't shocked if you know what i mean because it's something i've been working towards so the most the the, the most shocking thing for me was the timing of the call up because like i say it was something i was working towards and i never I, like i never in a million years thought that 3 weeks before the world cup i was going to be asked to go with the squad but yeah i was like really amazed but with it, with it being something that i was I'd set myself out to achieve. Then, yeah, I
1: was buzzing. And can you just tell us a bit about the World Cup, like where it was, how many teams were involved, um, what your experience was being selected for the World Cup, what it was working with the team? Can you just um, describe a bit about that for us, please? Liam?
2: Yeah, so the Amputee Football World Cup was held in Istanbul, in Turkey. Um, there was twenty-four teams that competed. Um, in England's group, there was Argentina, Indonesia, and the USA. Um, And it works very, very similar to the mainstream football that, you know, the group stage all plays each other and then the ones with the most points go through to the next rounds. So, like I say, England qualified from their group and then we lost to Angola in the round last 16, which was the game immediately after the group. But um, it didn't really feel like we lost because Angola was, at the time, the current world champions. They won the Amputee World Cup in 2018. And he was also in the World Cup final in two thousand and fourteen. So for Angola, he was going for the third World Cup final in a row. So we kind of knew that we was up against it when we came up against against Angola. But it was something that we all relish because, you know, um, if you you want to test yourself against the best, don't you? Do you know what I mean? In in sport, like that's the the days that you look forward to really and even though we knew it was going to be a real tough game not one of us thought at oh, all we're playing angola you know they they're the best team in the world like we, we was all really looking forward to it so but we did really well you know it was um it was nil nil um I, I don't think i mentioned this earlier but amputee football is 25 minutes each way it's a 50 minute game and each half is 25 minutes so we held them at nil nil till 50 minutes and it went through to extra time and it wasn't until the second half of extra time where they scored and they beat us 1-0. So obviously everyone was gutted and you know, but to do so well with what is such a young squad, really, we was we was all proud.
1: Uh, it sounds like a massive achievement as well with what you've done and how you've accomplished it as well. So congratulations to you and your team uh, for you. representing the nation in that kind of way as well. I had the luxury of going to the Commonwealth Games this summer. Um, I've had the pleasure of actually watching uh, Olympians and Paralympians compete at the same stadium on the same night, which I thought was incredible with how they did it this summer, which was fantastic to kind of see. What are your thoughts on getting amputee football as part of the Commonwealth Games or the uh, Paralympics for future uh, games? Do you think that would be beneficial to the sport? Do you think it would be a lot more eye opening as well to be competing around the same kind of time as these mainstream events as well. What what are your thoughts on that then? Um,
2: to be honest, these are only my thoughts and I can't speak for every amputee footballer and people involved in the England amputee football association. But I think it would be good if amputee football was introduced into the Paralympics or Commonwealth Games or something like that. Because as I've mentioned, we're we're a charity and we have to do all our own fundraising. So we don't come under the FA, so we don't get funding that way. Um, because we're not in the Paralympics, I, I don't know how Team GB works, but we're not Team GB, so we don't get no lottery funding or anything like that. Um, There's no TV coverage. There's one, one, uh, one game a year that's on UK TV, and it's the Amputee FA Cup final, which is at St George's Park. So, you know, I feel like with more coverage and it's not it's not just about us being on tv you know i feel like in a in a bit of a deeper conversation like feel amputee football has been amazing for me like not only physically but mentally as well and i would like to bet that there are people out there that would make great amputee footballers or who would love the sport that just don't know about it so i feel like any any sort of coverage help or anything would be amazing for the sport and Anyone who'd like to join?
1: Yeah, because that was my kind of um, school of thought as well with the Paralympics. So I've had, like I said, I've been able to go to them. And you're seeing some of these athletes who are competing at their first or their second event or their first time in a big Paralympics event. And it was when they're winning their medals or when they're getting interviewed, they're, they're literally saying, oh, because I saw it on TV or because yeah. I saw this happen at the last Olympics, the last Paralympics, um, the Paralympians, I didn't know it, it existed. So then they spent the next four years getting uh, sorry, getting into the sport and learning about the sport. And I thought if amputee football was to be something like that with having worldwide coverage and worldwide media coverage, just like you kind of said as well, it can only benefit the next person coming along, the next generation yeah. coming along as well. And like you said as well, will benefit them mentally as well as um, physically yeah. as well, which would be will mean the world of good for a lot of people. Yeah. As well, because that's just something that um, for a lot of people, they'll never understand. But for you who's... You went into it, into a deeper conversation. How were, how was your mental health when you had to kind of learn how to play amputee football? Did it benefit you um, working with people that were in a similar situation to yourself?
2: Yeah, it, it massively benefited me. I mean, like,
1: it's very rare that we
2: sit down and talk about how we lost our legs or our arms and, you know, what we've been through. You, you You very rarely have them conversations with your teammates, but just being around... People who are in the same situation as you is massive. And as I mentioned earlier, because I do well on prosthetics, before I started amputee football, um, you can quite regularly get a sore stump using prosthetics. It can get sweaty and sore and you can get blisters. And, you know, the only main way to heal that is to not wear your prosthetic and let it heal. So in the past, when I've had a sore stump or whatever, I've just sat at home and, you know, not warm my leg, not gone out the house, not done anything. Whereas now playing football on crutches, it's given me the confidence to use crutches. So uh, quite recently I've had a sore stump and not been able to use my prosthetic, but I've just carried on my life as normal and I've gone to the shop on my crutches. I've gone, you know, I've, I've done my daily jobs on my crutches, which before I started amputee football and I saw other people using crutches day in, day out, I wouldn't have done that before. So that's one of the massive things mentally were, amputee football has helped me, but it wasn't something that I set out to achieve, if you know what I mean. It's just like like had an effect on me, a positive effect.
1: Yeah, it just came across naturally, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, thank you for sharing that, Liam. I appreciate that. Millie, do you have any thoughts on what we were just talking about um, just there as well?
0: You know, I think it's incredible, like, your journey so far um, and, like, the way that you've kind of handled it like to come out of that with a positive light you said that now you can you can go to the shop and it sounds like you're a lot more confident in yourself as well yeah
2: yeah well I've always I've always thought I was confident but it's not until I look back at these experiences and I think well maybe I wasn't as confident as I thought do you know what I mean so
0: yeah 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 I agree and I understand you as well I definitely do I wanted to ask you I wanted you if you could, to just go a little bit deeper and tell us why did you go into amputee football?
2: So the reason I got into amputee football was kind of what Hamza touched on about people seeing it and wanting to try it. So it was the beginning of 2021, so about 18 months ago, 19 months ago now, I was posting on a social media platform called TikTok And I was making videos like juggling the ball in my back garden, juggling the ball at the park with my prosthetic on. And at this time, I didn't know about amputee football at all. And when I started TikTok, I set myself out on a bit of a journey to start playing football again. And my idea was to start playing mainstream football again because I didn't know about amputee football. And then it wasn't until June 2021 that one of my friends who I didn't know at the time, his name is Jamie Orkey is a centre midfielder for England and Everton. He sent me a random message and was like, I, I, I know you don't know who I am, but why don't you come to Everton and try amputee football with us? So I went down, tried it and absolutely loved it. And as we were talking earlier about prosthetics and crutches, the first session I went to Everton, I did play on my crutch. It was a, uh, my prosthetic sorry it was only training so I went on my prosthetic and I said to him like I'm a I'm a little bit nervous about playing football again you know being in a sporting environment because I mustn't uh, I was 20 years old when I lost my leg and I was 28 when I started amputee football so for for them eight years of being an amputee I wasn't involved in sports but my whole life growing up when I was able-bodied like my life revolved around sport really so with there being such a gap, I was quite nervous, so I played on my prosthetic. And then, long story short, I really hurt the bottom of my stump running around on my prosthetic. So the week after, I played on my crutches, and then when I found out that there was a progression to play for England, but you're not allowed to use prosthetics, you have to use crutches. I've never played football on my prosthetic since because it it, it feels no benefit to me, really. and Like I said about the TikTok thing, I... Uh, used to do a lot of videos juggling the ball and stuff but I hardly do that now because um, I would never try and kick the ball with my stump but if the ball was fired at me that split second decision I would go for it with my stump sometimes so I tried to get out of that bad habit like so yeah just stuck to crutches from then on.
0: I think it's incredible It's it's really it's cool to hear as well to be honest like the whole like journey you've made. Um, yeah, thank you. Honestly, it is it's, it's inspiring. But that's why as well. I said
2: that that's why I said I was I was shocked at the timing of the call up for the England squad. Not like I wasn't shocked that I was called up because it was something that I set out to achieve. So to achieve it I was I was chuffed like, but it was the timing of it because I've only been involved in amputee football since June last year. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm.
0: and did you say you played football before you were 20 as well?
2: Yeah, so I must have played football from when I was seven or eight years old, right up until uh, I lost my leg when I was 20.
0: Would you be able to, if you could, would you be able to go a little bit deeper into that as well? What happened in that situation?
2: Of how I lost my leg? Yeah. Yeah, so I was involved in a road traffic accident on my motorbike. Um, I used to have a motorbike that I used to commute to work and... Basically, I was just on my way to work one day and I was driving down a country road and, you know, them country roads where it's just like one lane sort of thing. As I was driving around the corner, a car came around the other side and we both saw each other very late because it was like a blind corner. And we just swerved and went head on into each other. Um, I knew straight away that, you know, something serious was open. You know, you could you could ask most bikers, most bikers crash and fall off all the time. It's like a quite a common thing that bikers fall off the motorbikes. But I just knew something serious was wrong and I got took to hospital and I don't really remember the first few couple of days of being in hospital. Everything that I do know is what I've been told by, you know, my family and friends who was with me at the time and stuff. But basically um I broke my left wrist, my left femur and my left ankle and I tore my spleen which was leaking blood into my stomach so I had that removed. So I'm on lifelong antibiotics for that. But um, I got compartment syndrome in the bottom half of my leg where the muscle was swelling from the inside out and all the muscle was dying. So every couple of days they'd cut away a bit of muscle, wrap it back up and then check on it a day later to see if it was healing. And my leg just wasn't healing. So um, I received a lot of support whilst I was in hospital and everything and there is a guy from my hometown, St. Helens, where I live, and his name's Andy Reid, and he stepped on a bomb in Afghanistan and blew both his legs and his right arm off. And he came to visit me in the hospital, and then he spoke to me about everything and told me about prosthetics and you know, told me that if he if did lose my leg, because I know it sounds bad, but because it was below the knee, it was going to be the best of a bad situation, if you know what I mean, because as I mentioned earlier about the rules of foot, amputee football, the higher up your leg you go, if you lose your knee then you're looking at mechanical knees and things like that so I always count myself quite lucky that I have my own knee but it was kind of a decision that we'd came to that obviously with me and my family that you know if if these operations were going to carry on where they was cutting away muscle I was going to be left with a leg that was no muscle and they was going to fuse my ankle stiff so I decided to have my leg amputated and obviously it was hard and you know it still can be hard sometimes but I feel like I made the right decision because I've met people who have had injuries and stuff who haven't had an amputation and you know without being rude I can walk much better than them do you know what I mean so I feel like as as much as it was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me I feel like I've I've made the most out of it do you know what I mean
0: definitely like again I think it's incredible from where you were and like the journey you've been on to where you are now. I mean, you're playing for England in the world cup. Yeah, It's unbelievable. Like that's the definition of making the best out of a bad situation in terms of mentality, just the last little point I'm going to touch on and then we'll switch back to Hams. But I wanted to go and ask you about your kind of mindset. So within like, um, let's say around the accident, has your mindset from then changed to how it is now actually let's go before so was your mind has your mindset changed before to now and how like how has it changed as well
2: I feel like as I mentioned I have had a lot of support and you know I've had support from everyone and but I feel like my mindset's really helped me because I've kind of saw it as a challenge that I you know, I wanted to overcome, so um, obviously, as I mentioned, there has been times where it's been really difficult and, you know, there are still times now where it is quite difficult, but I just feel like that instead of sitting around and, like, thinking, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I feel like I've just tried to make the most of it because at the time of it happening, my partner was pregnant with my little girl, so... One of the biggest things that helped me with my mindset was is I thought, right, it's not me little girl's fault that this has happened to me. So I don't want her to suffer because of it. So I've always tried to be as active and as fit as I could. Because at this time I didn't know about amputee football. So that wasn't the main driving force of me wanting to get better and stuff. So I just always thought I don't I don't want her missing out on time at the park and, you know, playing with the dad and things like that. But as I say, I feel like because I've looked at it as a challenge. Because the way I looked at it was, is there's nothing I can do to change it, so I might as well make the most of it. If you know what I mean. So I did things like, um, I I still I still like motorbikes because I saw it as a human error rather than, you know, the the motorbike didn't malfunction. So after sitting around, and because I, I was wheelchair bound at first because. I broke my wrist. I couldn't use the crutches at first. I went and did a skydiver's, as like a bit of a adrenaline boost thing. Do you know what I mean? And then a year later, when I got my first prosthetic, I did a St. Helens 10K run for charity. And it took me a very long time and I didn't run it. Do you know what I mean? But I've just set myself little targets and little goals to look forward to. And got, like... Not to prove anyone else wrong, but to like prove to myself, yeah, I can still do this because as I say, I've I've always been active and I've always done sports and stuff and I didn't want that to change.
0: Hams, do you have anything to add to that? Because honestly, I'm I'm quite speechless from it. Like like I said before, Liam, like you're an inspiration to so many oh, thank people. You. Well, well like
2: that's right. Talk- what I and that's why like yeah. I mean I don't think I don't like I don't see myself as an inspiration because I'm just like a lad trying his best you know what I mean but that's why I share my story and stuff because at the beginning when it was really difficult and stuff there was people that I looked to on social media and stuff and I thought you know I saw amputees doing 10k runs and I saw amputees with running blades and like I looked at these people and I thought you know I I want to do that and I feel like that really helped me so one of my main things about social media has been that if I can if if I can help someone then you know it's all worth it really and I, I do I do get nice messages and stuff and I get people asking me questions and that so it, it's all worth it I think.
1: Yeah that's literally just how I, I would say it as well because you're looking at how so many people can benefit from learning through social media which is fantastic and you kind of hit the nail on the head which is why we do the podcast as well because we don't always know who's listening and we are getting a lot more recognition fortunately which is really good for us because we're asking the questions that no one really asks on certain podcasts we're talking to people who no one really want to interview as well or not know to interview but the fact that we've finally had this discussion today liam it's just so nice to hear because if it means that there is one person that's listening to our platform who knows someone or is in contact with someone who is suffering from maybe a disability or from being an amputee as well, it just goes to show that the messages out there are just fantastic for everyone to be listening to as well and for everyone to actually be aware of as well, which is fantastic. And I'm really, really humbled with your words that you just said there as well. Because you said you're not a hero, but I think that just probably is just you being like yourself, really just kind and polite. But honestly, you, you never really know who you're inspiring at the end of the day. There'll probably be people that yeah. are following you that don't even message you, but they're just very shy and but they're very captivated by your story. I mean, Millie and I certainly are captivated by your story as well. Um, before we wrap up the podcast later on, I just wanted to ask you two questions before we get to the end. One question is, what's your proudest achievement and the second question is how do you how do you look to inspire more people going forward? Yeah, so first question, what's your proudest moment? Second question, how do you look to inspire more people going forward? And don't go all humble again because we we can catch you out now. We know what you're like
2: <laughs> i think I think my proudest moment is something we've already spoke about and um, being called up for England because I feel like that's every young sports person's dream isn't it to represent their country so to stand there at the Amputee Football World Cup singing the national anthem was pro- probably my proudest moment. But there's been a few proud moments. like um, I know I play for Everton, but last season I played for Manchester City. And as I mentioned earlier about the um, there only being one game on TV a year in the UK of Amputee Football, um, is the Amputee FA Cup final, and it was Manchester City v Portsmouth. Um and uh Manchester City won 1-0 and I scored the winning goal. So that was no something way. that yeah, yeah, it was it was one nil and I scored the goal. So that's like probably one of my proudest achievements. But
1: another M-Milly one here that... is Millie here is a Man City fan, so she yeah. likes you even more now. Unless you knew that you played for Man City. Did you know that, yeah. Millie?
0: Yeah, I did see a quick clip. I did see it. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Next Harland. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But there's like, um, as well, um, it's kind of related to amputee football, but it's not. I don't know if you've ever seen tech ball. It's kind of a bit like ping pong where the table's curved and you use a football and you you get so many touches and you kick the ball back and forth. And Well, the same again through social media. I was invited to Budapest in Hungary last October. And I competed in the first ever Paratech Ball tournaments. Oh, wow. Um, I got silver in individuals and I won gold in inclusive pairs. So that is another massive achievement that I'm super proud of. But I said to my friends that um, England's probably my proudest moment so far. And and I know we didn't win the World Cup. I know we finished ninth. But just to be there representing my country is probably my proudest achievement.
1: That's excellent. That's sublime and that's a fantastic way of learning a bit more about how like you've kind of gone with this whole kind of topic, Liam, as well, of how you can reinvent yourself moving forward, which is amazing to see, and how to keep your mind stimulated, which is amazing to see. And my next question again um was if what do you what was the what was the question? It was something along the lines of, um, what do you plan to do in the future um to take yourself to the next level in a way? Because again, you're very humble. I've said this yeah. numerous times, but you are doing some crazy things: skydiving, yeah. ridiculous amounts of running. I ran today, and I couldn't be bothered to run. You're <laughs> running with crutches, and yeah, Billy was literally there, and she's like, "Oh my days!" And I'm, a, I'm just kind of like, "I'm so, I'm so bad in, in shape at the moment as well. Not even in shape, just a bad shape." But what's next for you, Liam? Do you look to do anything in particular, like go to another country and climb a different mountain, perhaps? Uh, what's on the cards?
2: I would, I would like to do things like that, like I would like to, you know, go some, I'd, I'd like to climb Ben Nevis in Scotland because that's the biggest one in the UK and there are other challenges out there that I would like to set myself but I just feel like that Um. now I've been, now I'm part of the England squad, I feel like, I did a post on Instagram a few, it might be a few days ago now but I basically said that I've been an amputee for nine years now and I've constantly been setting myself these challenges and things. But I think with amputee football, I think I've finally found what what I should be doing, if that makes sense. And as we mentioned earlier about, even though we don't talk about our amputations, just being around people the same is just, you know, you, you can't explain it, but I feel like what's next for me is...
1: You feel like next, it's home comfort.
2: Yeah, definitely. And the next big... Um uh, tournament in amputee football is the Euros, and that's in Ireland in twenty twenty four. So, I think the next big challenge for me is to keep my head down, keep going, and you know cement my position in this squad because, um, I made a couple of appearances from the bench at the World Cup, and it was like for five ten minutes here and there. But, um, I know I said that that's my proudest achievement, but um, of I don't want to sound bad, but although I am happy with that, I'm not happy with that if that makes sense. Because I want to be playing a bigger part in these games, and you know, I want what what I would like to see is is that in 2024 when we do go to Ireland for the Euros, I'd like to see myself playing a bigger part in the squad. So I think that's even though it's not a new challenge, I feel like this amputee football challenge isn't completed yet. So I feel like if I just keep my head down and crack on. I feel like that's gonna be my main focus now.
1: Your proudest achievement is yet to come.
2: Yeah, it is, you're right, yeah. It is. Perfect. And and like I said, it's the even though I put um playing for England and singing the national anthem as my proudest thing right now, it's it's give me a taste of what what I really want to achieve, do you know what I mean? So I feel like that whilst this whole World Cup in Istanbul was amazing, I feel like it's just the start.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Well said. And thank you very much for answering my questions today. Um, Normally we let Millie close off the podcast because she normally has two or three different um, types of questions. So Millie, I'll let you finish off the podcast and style for us, if that's all right.
0: You know, I was just going to say that kind of mindset is literally like the athlete mindset, isn't it? And not only the athlete mindset, the elite athlete mindset. Like yeah, always... so as
2: um as I mentioned that we are we are a charity, and you know we we do have to do fundraising and we all have normal jobs and you know we have to go to work and then come home and go training and stuff. but with EA for the England Amateur Football Association, that's one of the things that they drive into us that you know, even though we're not professional in the terms of paid, you know we we have to hold ourselves as professional as we can, and w- without mentioning, anyone in particular, like whilst we was at the Amputee World Cup, there was other teams that was in the same situation as us that was out drinking, celebrating the game, they'd won and stuff like that. And we we didn't do none of that because as I've said to people before, you know, we take great pride in representing England and the last thing we want is people saying, oh, England, they was they was out on the drink last night. Do you know what I mean? So, but I feel like that that professionalism, I feel like it's driven into us all, and there's like I mentioned. I know I didn't play at like a ridiculously high standard or anything, but there are players that have played at a real high standard and then lost a leg or lost their arm due to an accident or cancer or these sort of things, and that professionalism was carried over into it. And as you mentioned about Andy, the goalkeeper coach, you meant he's, he he coaches able-bodied mainstream goalkeepers. You know, we've got a few members of the coaching staff. So the head coach, Owen Coyle Jr. His dad is Owen Coyle, who has managed many professional football teams. You know, he's managed Bolton, he's won the league in India, he's managing at Queen's Park Rangers in Scotland now. And um, Owen Coyle Jr., the head coach, his son, he's managing at Queen's Park Rangers Reserves in Scotland at a professional level, do you know what I mean? So that professionalism has been drilled into us because it's, It's the only way that we're going to compete with these countries like Turkey and Poland that are professional. So, you know, we're we're not there to just take part. We're not there at the World Cup to just make numbers up, do you know what I mean? So if they're doing it, we've got to do it, and we've got to do it even better, do you know what I mean?
0: Definitely, definitely. And that's your standards, isn't it? That's your professionalism through and through. And hopefully, you know, I mean, the work that you put into it, the amount of, like, time and effort and just professionalism in general you put into it, hopefully like building year on year, you can have more. Like people will start to recognise, people will start to engage more, which they should already. Yeah. By no means of a doubt, they should already, but hopefully we'll finally see the engagement.
2: It's one of them sports where you imagine someone using crutches and you imagine them to be quite slow and lethargic and, you know if if anyone's used crutches before for a short period of time, it is quite difficult. It can be hard work. But the pace that amputee football's played at, it's one of them sports where if you don't know about it and you see it for the first time, in a good way, it's an absolute crazy sport, do you know what I mean? Like, it really is amazing to see. And, you know, I've had I've had people say to me before, oh, my God, I didn't know you could move so fast on crutches. So I feel Listen, like it's I... one of them.
0: You know what? I'm smiling because I've seen on your videos a few of the videos you've put your curl into those bottom yeah. corners. It yeah. is unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was is... I,
2: I consider myself quite lucky, really, because as I mentioned, I did play football for many years, and yeah. I was always right-footed anyway. And it was my left foot that I lost in the accident, so I can still kick the ball and stuff and pass the ball and shoot and stuff, I can still, that's stayed with me. And as I mentioned, it's using the crutches that's been the most difficult part for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, like from what I've seen, like 100%. And you, like we said before, you scored the winner in the FA Cup final. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. me personally, and I know Hams, we're like, we wish you all the best with it and we'll oh, be supporting thank you. your journey and the EFA as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Any last questions, Millie?
0: You know what? Last thing I wanted to get it in. I've been thinking about it since you said it. Tech Ball. Me yeah. and my friends, we try and play it. When we have some downtime in training, I say we try and play it because we try all the time and we think we're like great at it. And then we see these these people like just on the beach or whatever and they're just smashing at each other. I yeah. mean um, she-
1: You probably did that in <laughs> Istanbul as well, didn't you? Yeah. Not just beautiful. I wish I did. <laughs> but
2: when we when we went to uh, Budapest in Hungary and played tech ball, I'd never played tech ball before. And with it being the first ever paratech ball, you know, they didn't, they haven't already got a pool of players to select from, do you know what I mean? So with this being the first one, it was the first time for everyone really. and We did a week's training camp before we actually played in the tournament and they had able-bodied professionals teaching us the rules and different types of shots to do and all that. And I I just love it. I really fell in love with it. It reminds me of, especially when you watch the pros play it. Do you remember the old Nike adverts with the Brazil team with Ronaldinho and Ronaldo? And they're all juggling the ball around the changing room and stuff. Diego Benito. It, it just reminds me of that. Like I just think it's amazing. especially the doubles. Like I really like the doubles game.
0: Honestly, if you can if you've got any tips and or you want to come down and help us yeah. <laughs> with anything, you're more yeah. than welcome.
2: I'm, de- I'm, I'm definitely down for coming and playing because um it's one of them things where I really I really enjoyed playing tech ball, but because the tables are so expensive and they take up so much space, so the tech ball federation in Hungary, they said to me that they would give me a free table and these tables are like worth two and a half thousand pounds you know what i mean and they said to me we'll give you a table but we but we want you to post about it on social media so that would be like the deal but i said to him i said i, I, I can't and so you know i've got nowhere to put the table at all so i did get in touch with like my local newspaper and my local leisure centers and things like that to try and say to him listen if i can get this table free can i put it in your sports hall or but I never heard nothing back. But we do have a table at England and we do play now and then, but it's it's a brilliant game, Tech Ball. Yeah, decent, decent game. And you don't, well have, to, you, you don't have to run around as well. So like when, in football, when you're playing football and, you, and you're knackered and you're chasing down that last ball and, you know, there's none of that in Tech Ball because you basically stood still kicking the ball back and forth. So it's a, a very enjoyable game.
1: I mean, you can't be talking about tech ball, the both of you, and not trying to challenge each other for a game now as well. Who would win out of the two of you? We've got an, a medal-winning win, tech baller, and we've got Millie as well. So, Millie, do you reckon you can take on Liam in tech ball?
0: I oh, <laughs> don't want to doubt myself, but I am. <laughs> Definitely not me.
1: We'll start it out and we'll have a go.
0: Yeah, we'll have a go. We'll have a go. Yeah. Can't say what? anything before it's
1: happened. No, nah, looking forward to it. Where is your England base, Liam? So we train at and play at
2: Reetheath in Crew. so oh, do you know okay. where Crew is? Yeah. It's about 10-15 minutes away from Crew Alexandra, mm. and it's basically just a college where we hire the, uh, we hire like Astro turf out and stuff, but it's really good because we go to training camps twice a month, so we'll go on Friday night and we'll come back on Sunday and... You know, you, you might not see your teammates for a couple of weeks in between. So when you do meet up, it is it is really
1: good. I mean, yeah, crew has to be the place where we have to be next time as well to have another conversation like this. And hopefully in personally, it'll be fantastic yeah, to have another podcast in person. But yeah, just to wrap up the podcast, I am in awe with the guests that we had today, a very special guest. Liam, thank you very much for your time today. Um, Millie, before we wrap up the podcast, one last thing from you. What's the one thing you've learned from Liam that you think you can take away into your everyday life?
0: For me, I've learned a lot about amputee football um, because, to be honest, I didn't know much in the beginning. But I've learned a lot about the structure, the rules and everything. But to be honest, more than that, I've learned a lot about you and your mindset. And to me, what I've been saying throughout like the, the running theme is that you kind of... Made the best you can out of the worst situation, which for a lot of people listening really, really can help them. And also for me, like, I feel like, wow, like, look what you've done now from such a situation, a difficult situation, a difficult time in your life. You overcame that both physically and mentally, and you literally just smashed it. Like, just put into two words, you smashed it, and (sighs) you're playing for England at the World Cup. And scoring
2: for City. <laughs> yeah, thank you. One of my friends said to me, he "said Oh, you, 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 was always good at football, was yeah." I said to him, "Well, yeah, but I wasn't good enough to play for England at this World Cup." Do you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like with amputee football, I've got this chance that I don't want to look back when I'm forty and fifty years old and think, "Oh, I wish I'd have tried that." Do you know what I mean? So 100%. I always said, I, I always said that like. I know I know I've been I know I've been selected and made appearances for England now, but I always said that if I'm not if I'm not good enough, then fair enough.
1: But I don't want to say I've not tried.
2: Not Definitely. All. What
0: what have you learned, Hams?
1: What have I learned? Uh I think we've spoken about in another podcast, but the fact that you were so persistent with developing yourself further as well. And you weren't sitting on your laurels, which I thought was fascinating to hear really, because You'll see so many people who, able-bodied people, very comfortable people in the way that they're living as well, sit on their their laurels and then just get jealous of what's happening around them as the world moves on. But for yourself, Liam, who didn't want to take no for an answer, you wanted to carry on, you wanted to fight on, which I think the, the key word here is you actually fought on, not just for yourself, not just for your family, but literally the fact that so many people now in social media, this social media age that we're in, now look at you as somewhat of an inspiration, and I know you're going to say, "Oh yeah, no, that no, I'm not an inspiration." You you are. You can you can be honest <laughs> about it, Liam. Um, is remarkable. So I think that's just the perfect way to, um, sum up what I've learned and what I've appreciated much most from Liam's conversations today. Uh, but no, Liam, thank you very much for your time today. No, um, it's pleasure.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me on because, like I said at the beginning, you know, any opportunity to raise awareness about amputee football and stuff, you know, I promised myself at the beginning that I'd try and give back to the sport as much as I'm taking out of it so thank you for the opportunity to talk about not only myself but the sport I love as well so thank you.
1: No it's an absolute pleasure honestly where can everyone find you so for our listeners who haven't found you on social media yet where can they find you and where can they learn more about MQC football uh, Liam?
2: So the biggest platform that I post on really is TikTok and it's, it's Liam Burbs all one word and that's on TikTok, and I also post a lot on Instagram as well with the same username, it's Liam Burbs. But TikTok's a good one to get me at because um, obviously with TikTok, people ask you questions and you can do video replies and stuff. So I have a whole series on TikTok of the rules of amputee football and stuff. So if you did want to know more about amputee football, TikTok and Instagram are the best places to find them.
1: Fantastic. No, I love it. Uh, th- Liam, thank you very much for your time today. Millie, thank you very much for your time today. It was a pleasure to have a conversation with another fantastic footballer. Um, you're making me feel bad at football now, Millie, for inviting all these footballers on, onto our podcast app. Um, but no, Millie, thank you very much for your time. And everyone, thank you very much for listening. Millie's going to do the outro, but Millie has a special message um, for everyone listening as, as well. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, thank you for listening to the episode. Um, thank you. Um... I didn't mean to say thank you twice. <laughs>
1: The more thank yous, the better. That's all I care about. It's been a positive conversation today.
0: But yeah, I hope that you've taken something away from this because we both definitely did. Um, And yeah, thank you to Liam. Amazing, amazing guest, amazing story. And yeah, just an incredible inspiration. So if you are listening and you did take something away, please comment, share and give us some feedback as always. We appreciate any kind of feedback. if it's good feedback but yeah thank you for listening again and take care and goodbye